it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save the day, 1500 ESPN 7th Annual Sports Fantasy Auction is happening Tuesday, December 12th. Listen all day from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. to purchase and bid on great experiences with all the proceeds benefiting Courage Kenny Rehabilitation Institute. Presented in part by Able Chiropractic and TCL. Details and packages coming soon to 1500 ESPN. All right, I found it. This Gophers UMass game is being played right now at LIU Brooklyn Steinberg Wellness Center. So it's a it's a rec center. So it's basically a wellness center. OYMCA. It's it's Rick Patino's Long there. Island. It's fitting. Long Island University Brooklyn Steinberg Wellness Center. Huh. So it's on their campus, but it looks like a high school gym. The Gophers are destroying UMass right now. Oh, UMass just scored finally in the second half, forty-seven to twenty-three. <laughs> oh, are they being shut the out in the right second now. half? Yeah, they had, <laughs> it was four minutes. They had not scored yet in the second half. All so right. Gophers are doing business. Uh, Vikings, we have open phone lines right now. If you guys want to chime in, we'll get to Mike here in just a second. Six five one six four six. 8255. Back to our conversation off the top. We've gone into a million different. We can get back into officiating off yesterday. Uh, Case Keenum was magnificent again. His ability to avoid pressure and keep plays alive and throw the ball down the field. Uh, it's been fun. And so I am declaring it as a guy who has been very curious to see Teddy Bridgewater this season. And I think justifiably so holding out to see if Case Keenum is for real, which I still am. But as far as this year goes, the conversation should be put to bed. Your season now rides or dies with Case Keenum. If you were holding out hope that Bridgewater would enter a game here in November, maybe start to knock off some of that rust, see if he can reach his ceiling in this great infrastructure, he hasn't gotten into a game yet. So the the, the longer we go here, the shorter the runway is. He can't take off and knock the rust off in time, so that conversation's over. If you were expecting Case Keenum's carriage to turn into a pumpkin at some point, well, it hasn't yet. He's been amazing. And, he's, been and he's gotten better the last two or three weeks. Exactly. So yep. uh, it's just, you know, I, I brought up this phrase in the in the opening bell, the, the the phrase pot committed in poker, where you're not really sure if you got the best hand, the best quarterback or not, but you've already invested so much time and money and chips in the pot, and you can't back out now. It's There's no looking back now. It's Case Keenum and this defense and Pat Shermer and... All the weapons around it, Super Bowl or bust with Case Keenum. I would love to know at Winter Park, though, what what the answer to the question or, or what you just brought up is. I'd love to know what they feel becomes we've got to be all, all in, no questions asked. Because it makes sense. With, with the way he's played the last two weeks, you're not going to go away f- from him now. It, that makes no sense. But I would love to know if, if they're saying internally, okay, if he struggles against Atlanta— 
But yeah, I mean, at some point in time, you're going to have to just say, this is it. This is our guy. And he has done, for the last two games, mm-hmm. within the last week, he has done absolutely nothing where you would say to yourself, let's try this instead. 651-646-8255. Jonathan, do we really have all of these guys named Mike on the line? Yeah, I was starting to get concerned there. Uh, let's go. Mike number one in Coon Rapids. You're on the Mackie and Judd show. Hey, guys. How you doing? What's so- going on, man? Hey, man, I just got a question. You know, you know, yesterday we were sitting there. I don't know if you guys were kind of watching closely, even though we were up 27-10 or whatever the heck the score was. Um, why did all of a sudden Shermer just go run, 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 punt, run, 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 punt? You know, weird. It was a weird last quarter and a half. And it's like, keep on throwing. You know, blow them out by 30. Let's go here. You know, and they just kept Detroit around. And we're sitting there watching it over the families and we're, we're getting concerned. We're like, you know, one turnover away or whatever. And this is overtime. You know, it's like, what's going on here? I don't know what your guys' opinion on that. Was it a Shermer just going conservative or case not getting the jitters? Or something I, you know what, that? Mike, I have a theory on that. I think, yeah. I think it plays off of the Washington game and that the coaching staff and Mike Zimmer, Pat Shermer, the, they like Case Keenum, but they also saw him throw two ridiculous interceptions against Washington and kept that game going longer than it should have. And they thought, all right, we're up by 17. Let's grind clock. We're running the ball well. We had 120 yards rushing at halftime. Let's just run the ball, bleed the clock, and not let Keenum throw an interception like he did in Washington. And it almost backfired on them. It was pretty conservative. But don't forget, too, you you came in to, to the second half up by 10. You went run, 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 score. That's a score. So now you're up by 17. The run worked great. You came back and ran, and Detroit started to stuff it. But if you're up by that much on the road and can run clock, you're going to run clock. So I don't look look at that as a bad thing. This offense, listen, this offense needs to operate in the smartest way possible. And I'm going to tell you right now, going in uh, as you gear up for the playoffs, the smartest way possible is not to say, what the hell, let's try and win by five touchdowns and throw. Because every time you do that, you either set yourself up for a potential mistake and or you stop the clock. So the actual, once you go up by 17 early and the run was was effective, you want to keep on that because you want to continue to run that clock off. Let's go to Mike number two, Mike in Plymouth. You're on the Mackie and Judd Show live on this Black Friday. Yeah, guys, uh, I had a couple of questions. Well, actually, one comment and one question. The comment being that uh, the officials on the block in the backs were absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Adam Thielen on the one just touched a Zeppelin and got a black block in the back. But my real question is, on the blocked field goal attempt, that they threw a late flag on and it was offside and rightfully so. My question being, I don't trust referees to throw that flag. What would have happened had not that offside been called? Uh, you would have had a tie game and uh, your head, head coach would have melted down completely. <laughs> I mean, Zim would, have, Zim would have lost it. It's that simple. Uh, now, he claims he doesn't watch the kicks, and so he didn't really see it get blocked, and then he he, he was informed it did. But, I mean, that was so... Bl- if you missed that that one, then I'm serious. Then Tony Correnti and his crew should have been flown immediately uh, to, to the league office and fired. I mean, they had a terrible day, but that one was so blatant. I, I, I don't was, know you could miss it. I was about ready for the for in the second half. Let's just let the players call their own honor system fouls here. Just, okay... Uh, on me. We'll have uh, you know the designated captain. We'll just have the flag, and you guys can call your own fouls I like you do in a pickup basketball game. And Mike number three in Minnetonka, you're on the show. 
Hey guys, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Um, I think it's entirely possible that we will see Teddy at quarterback because we're nine and two. Um, we've already beaten the Saints and the Rams, and we tied. You know, we got the tiebreaker with Detroit. So if we get far ahead, I think we got to think long term and we got to pull Case out of the game. We get up by twenty or twenty-seven, and uh, you know, put Teddy back there uh, if we're blowing somebody out because we're looking at that number two seed in that first round bye. So I just uh, was wondering what your thoughts were on that. Thanks. Yeah, interesting. I could, okay, let's not get too far down this road, but since you went there, I could see if you if you can get home field by the Bears game, so if you have if you have your, your fate sealed in a good way by then, I could see you starting him against the Bears in the last game. But that's a big if, right? Because that that's probably going to be a battle to, or it could be yeah, a battle to the last week. But if you want to go down that road, it's not a terrible point. If everything's wrapped up by then, you that, could start him in that. That game. plays into the worst case scenario that I diagrammed for you guys a couple weeks ago, in which Keenum doesn't lose the starter's job because he's just playing too well yeah. down the stretch. Yeah, you've clinched everything there is to clinch, and there's no meaning to your Week 17 game, and yep. so you start Bridgewater, and he is lights out against the Bears thus putting him on the map for a free agent contract. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, you go back to Keenum. This is such a, an awful... I, Are you going to... I should, you, sh- you should almost just like you really turn should, the radio down if you, you really have kids should, and women and children You in the really car. should stop. And Keenum then yeah, makes down. the start in the playoffs and goes just full nuclear and throws four interceptions and makes you question everything about a long-term contract for him. But now both guys are worth a lot of money in the free agent market, but you question both, and so you can't get either of them on the cheap anymore. You're not going to get... By the way, Case Keenum, barring a crazy meltdown in December, Case Keenum just made multi-generational money for himself and his family in the last two months, and good for him. He's going to make crazy money relative to the rest of society because of the last two months... That he's put on film. Actually, with the picture that you just painted, if Teddy comes in in the final game and plays well, and it, it's all wrapped up by then, so the game itself means nothing, and then you go into your playoff game, first round by, second round, and Case melts down about halfway through the second quarter, if not at, at halftime, Zim would lift him for Teddy. He would. Yeah. If Teddy played great in Week 17... And Case played a bad first half in playoff game one for the Vikings. You're right, he would go to Teddy. Zimmer would go to Teddy. Yeah. Now, that's. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm saying that Zimmer, for as much as Zim wants to say, I talked to the players about being calm about this and that, he's the least calm guy there is. He would yank him. He'd give him the hook. I think he was much more likely to make an in-season move a couple weeks ago. But now there's just so much equity built up. And I do wonder, because it's it's pretty obvious that Mike Zimmer loves Teddy Bridgewater and really wants to see him this season. Hmm. But you're just, you're playing so well right now. And Keenum has gotten better the last two games. And uh, I just, I wonder what it would take for him to make that move now before the end of the year. Would it, would it be a bad first half? I I don't, I don't, I think it would have to be almost back to back bad games. And then he would go make the move. It might be one bad game. I will say this I'm pretty convinced um, post Washington game. If you had sat down with uh, with Mike and Mike had told you the complete truth, I think in his mind at that point there was a 90% chance that Teddy was going to play soon. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that percentage is much lower now. Oh, it's way lower. But I bet I bet you if you sat down with him the night of that game af- after the two 
second half picks, which were awful, and said, Mike, tell me honestly, percent chance that, that you make the change? I bet he would have said 90% at that time. Yeah. And now it's probably 10%. Uh, Jonathan Harrison is in for Dave Harrigan. You got some questions of significant importance for us when we come back here? I do. We've got a little bit about Adam Thielen, Rick Pitino, and uh, we'll go Gophers football on this one. Yeah, Rick Pitino, who's hanging out at this like rec center gym they're playing at. They're up by 20 right now on UMass, and it's only being shown on Facebook. So if you're having a hard time finding it, that's why. It's like you can watch it. You don't even have to be logged in. You can just watch it. But honestly, I don't even know how you find it. I found a link somewhere. It's like uh, it's oh Facebook.com slash Stadium College Basketball. If you want to put that in the background while you uh, listen to the rest of our show. Mackie and Judd. Now on Mackie and Judd. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. It's Jonathan Harrison. All right. In for Dave Harrigan, who you can find all over the place uh, with Corzo on Sunday Morning Sports Talk, Vikings Ventline. He's the ace producer behind that, the Crafty Rogues, and uh, a lot of our Minnesota United pre and post game stuff. In fact, you're repping the uh, United gear right now. I am, yeah. It's a nice always, you're always on brand. That's what we I like about to. you, Jonathan. <laughs> Way to go, Jonathan. All right. Three questions of significant. Importance. All right, so yesterday Adam Thielen got his eight catches for 89 yards, kind of the typical thing he's done all season. That put him up over 1,000 yards for the first time in his career and for the first time for the Vikings since Thielen was a freshman at, Man- at Mankato State. Wow. The Lions, on the other hand, have gone four years without a 100-yard rusher in a game and a 1,000-yard rusher in a season. Which one's the more embarrassing stat? Go back and say that the Lions won again. The Lions haven't had a 100-yard rusher in a game in four years. Oh, and and haven't had a thousand yard rusher in a season in, in the same time span. It was the last one who did it was Reggie Bush in 2013. That he went one, for a thousand yards, huh? Yeah. That that one easily. I mean, even no, in today's passing league. Yes, yes. Because think about that. No 100 yard rushers in a game. Yeah. That to me, when when you're talking season statistics, yes, the the Vikings have gone far too long, and I get that, but. Wouldn't somebody accidentally rush for 102 yards in, in a game? I like, yeah. like, just to, I mean, think about run defenses and you play a bad run defense, and Abdullah or somebody just well, happens to get 101 yards. Abdullah almost did it when they played the Vikings here in Minnesota, yes. but then he got injured. So, so at least the at least when you're talking about 1,000 yards, you're talking about season long accomplishments, but just by accident. So you know, that one to me is way so it, that is embarrassing. You know, I'm gonna I'm actually gonna go with the receiving yards one. Now that I do a little bit of uh, research here, last year 25 guys in the NFL had a thousand yards receiving or more. Now Thielen had 967, so I mean Thielen was pretty mm-hmm. close. But so on average, one player on almost every team gets to a thousand yards receiving in today's NFL. Kenny bleeping Britt. On the Rams. Oh, yeah. Had 1,000 no. yards receiving last year. Yeah, that's bad. Tyrell Williams with San Diego. Like, does anyone even know who Tyrell Williams was last no. year? And he went for 1,000 yards. So there's tight ends who go for 1,000 yards. Uh, just digging even further into the, the uh, Vikings' long stretch of non-1,000-yard receivers. In 2012, Lance Moore went for 1,000 with the Saints. <laughs> Stevie Johnson went for a thousand with Buffalo. And Michael Jenkins couldn't do it. And, and Devin Aroma couldn't do and it. And Brian Hartline went for a thousand with Miami. 
You can't find a Brian Hartline in eight years. But what I'm that's sa- really embarrassing. But what I'm saying is, in the course of one football game, somebody doesn't accidentally stumble to a hundred yards rushing over four years. Yeah. Oh, they're both embarrassing. I mean, that's that's incredible. It's one game. Right. It's one game. You ask one guy, okay, you happen to be the hot hand that day, and you still don't get it. Okay, <laughs> I, I could I could do this all day long. There was a guy in 2012. Is this his real name? Named Cecil Shorts. Yes. Who yeah. had 980 yards. Yeah, he was pretty yeah. good. I saw him play a bunch. He had one, well, he had one year, basically. Yeah, that's okay. Cecil yeah. Shorts. I mean, granted, it's it. with the Jaguars and it's a lot of garbage time, but still, yeah. he got 1,000 yards. So Blaine Gabbert and Cecil Shorts connected <laughs> yes. for 1,000 hey. yards, yes. and you can't one time. Hey, you think about the quarterbacks here for, for an extended period, mm-hmm. and then the guys who are supposed to catch passes from them. That's a lot of garbage, gentlemen. I think there was a stat during the game yesterday that Troy Eggman probably read off. Stafford's only had a hundred yard rusher in a game four times in his career. Yeah. That's no, incredible. Do, yeah. The, 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 the only the amount of passing they do, it's not like they're stacking the box. I mean, the it's only in are... fairness thing would be they've gone running back by committee. I mean, when's true. the last yeah. time have they had a true number one running back that you look at since Barry Sanders? Maybe a couple in the early two thousands. So they're mostly Our doing pinner. Com- yeah. They're mostly by committee anyways, so yeah. it's harder for if they're going to give, you know, if they're going to split the carries in three. But, yeah, it's it's all bad. bad. It's all right, all. so we, you guys have been mentioned that you found the Gophers basketball game on some random Facebook channel, and Rick Pitino showed up in a Gophers pullover in the crowd. Is he? He's done it a couple times. We've seen it a couple times throughout Richard's tenure here. Is he the super fan we want or need at this point? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Think about how much more festive the on-campus parties. <laughs> think about how much better the recruiting can be now, too. Rick, listen, all right, Rick, you're going to be the unofficial recruiting coordinator. So I don't want to know if I'm Richard Pitino. I'm telling Dad <laughs> you can help with the recruiting. But again, I'm throwing you under the bus if anything happens. Mm-hmm. I don't want to know whether it's six-figure payments or you have parties. Your Chris Carter fall guy now. Yes, exactly. It's <laughs> unfortunately it's just your dad, but. <laughs> I think Carter it's hilarious. He's just sitting there. I think it's uh, it's Patino's uh, Richard Patino's brother. I think is with him, yeah. and he's just got like chicken a gopher guy? pullover. From, and I don't know if it's chicken suit guy. Chicken suit guy. But he's just sitting in the <laughs> crowd. Those hookers in Pioneer Hall. I had nothing to do with them. <laughs> I had nothing to do with the hookers in Pioneer Hall or or Sanford. No, that was not me. I don't know how they got there. I am not a crook. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to change up the Gophers question because we already presume they're going to get beat pretty handily tomorrow against Wisconsin. (laughs) We've mentioned Pat Shermer's kind of in line for a head coaching gig. Going down the list of teams that look like they might fire their coach, where do we see him going and what's his best fit? You got the Jets at four and six. He'd be dumb, really dumb to go to Cleveland again. Uh, Cincinnati at four and six. Indianapolis and the criminal malpractice they've done against Andrew Luck at three and seven. Yep. Uh, you've got Oakland. If they fail to make the playoffs after the season they had, they're at four and six right now. If they fail to make the playoffs, do they fire their coach? Mm-hmm. You got the Giants at two and nine, the Bears three and seven. Uh, Tampa, before the season started, expected to be a dark horse for Super Bowl contender. They're currently four and six. I understand Winston's out injured, injured, but sure. I mean, they could possibly, and then the Arizona Cardinals at four and six. I'm going to stick with, with what I said earlier on the show. I think the Bears. I think the Bears is a good fit. I think Trubisky might be good. I mean, he's a guy who was probably drafted too high, hadn't played a ton in college, but I think he's I think he's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if Shermer's going to get a job, it's going to be based on, on the fact that he is perceived now as a QB whisperer, yeah. correct? Correct. And if you take him 
put him in in the division. He can bring the Vikings secrets, which is always very smart. Mm-hmm. If I'm the Bears, I think that's a really good potential fit. One team I forgot to mention, the Cowboys, they just lost to something called the Chargers. Jerry said they're not going to fire Jason Garrett. Wow, I, think, I think which there's... Will, <laughs> yeah, I don't think Jason Garrett gets fired, but that's you never know with Jerry Jones. Right. Well, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboys are a different animal altogether. I'm gonna take them out of the equation. If the, if that job was open, it would make sense, and that you'd want you'd want a, a moldable quarterback that mm-hmm. that that maybe is underachieving at this point, right? So let's take them out. Uh, of all the teams you listed, the if I there, there's two to tango here. Pat Shermer is gonna want a little bit more of an established quarterback or somebody yeah. that. You're not going to want to go in and then draft the quarterback. He's already been there, done that. This is going to be his last ever chance as a head coach if he gets hired. So that that means the Jets are out, the Giants are out, because Eli Manning is like 37 and they're going to draft a quarterback. And uh, Arizona would be out because they'd be in draft mode too with Carson Palmer. So that leaves Tampa Bay with Jameis Winston, Chicago, Oakland, Indianapolis, Cincinnati. Now, Indianapolis, if you thought that Andrew Luck was going to be fully healthy, you'd take that job in a heartbeat because now you get one of the best. But you don't know about Andrew Luck. So too many question marks. I'm going to say no if he has options. Uh, Tampa Bay, Jameis Winston, there's a there's just too many red flags there. Right. They're just, yep. I'm going to say no on that. So Chicago, Oakland, or Cincinnati, if you're Pat Shermer, Andy Dalton, Derek Carr, uh, Mitch Trubisky, Oakland seems to be the best fit there. Because Derek Carr is already very much an mm-hmm. on-the-rise young quarterback. And you only have to spend one season in that crappy stadium before you get to go to Sure, Vegas. you go to Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, so him working with Derek Carr, efficiency, you got weapons there offensively. Uh, it's a team that won a bunch of games last year. Tougher schedule and some things uh, didn't go your way. Cincinnati would make me a little nervous just because... Andy Dalton doesn't strike me. Ownership there's sketchy too yeah, with but, the Browns. But, you know, Oakland makes some sense, but then again, you'd be. Do you think Dalton gets the, fired? You'd be doing the the Hugh a uh, Hugh Jackson uh, in reverse, where you go Oakland and Cleveland. I don't anywhere. think he gets fired. I think he survives at least until yeah. until they move. But yeah. I think Chicago really intrigues me. Like I said, if because Chicago's not they're they're not good, mm-hmm. but they've got potential. The and only, if you think Trubisky's going right. to be good, it could be a, that could be a really mm-hmm. good job. The only way I could see Del Rio getting fired is if they completely collapse and just don't win another game this season and end up four and sure. whatever at this point. Well, they got I, the Eagles on their schedule yeah. still. Like they, they're they not making the playoffs. Schedule. I don't and think they're making the they playoffs. They won a lot of games. If you look closely at last year, they won a lot of close games. You know when the problem that started? Stuff doesn't carry over when they fired Muskie. When they fired my guy Muskie, I've always been a big Muskie guy, and mm-hmm. now he's got the job in Denver. When they mm-hmm. fired Muskie, that's <laughs> when all the I, problems started. As much as I would like to have Andrew Luck as my quarterback, I don't trust that owner to keep his hands out of everything. Ursay is yeah. slightly yeah. off his rocker. Yeah. That is correct. Uh, Gophers, by the way, as we watch on this random Facebook live feed, Stadium College Basketball in some rec center arena in Brooklyn before they play at Barclays Center tomorrow. They're beating UMass 63-40. to and Nate Mason just missed a three. So 63 to 40 with five minutes to go in the second half. Uh, last half hour, we are guest free. So if you guys want to chime in, Vikings Vent Line, day after edition, 651 646 8255, 877 615 1500. I want to talk more about the kicker angst that is surfacing here after yesterday. Everything is is going great for the Vikings, but. Little bit of nerves about the kickers, and I think we need to get to the root of that. Mackie and Judd. 
Want to win a 55-inch TCL Roku TV? Join Mackey at Spring Street Tavern in Minneapolis from 2 to 4 this Saturday, that's tomorrow, for the ultimate college football viewing party with Dos Equis. Come enjoy an ice-cold one and register to win that new TV. Put a game put game day over everything this college football season with Dos Equis, the official beer sponsor of the college football playoffs. More details at 1500ESPN.com. It's blocked by Robinson. And instead of 7 to nothing, it's 6 to nothing. In fairness to Kaya Forbath, that was a terrible hold. It was fumbled, bobbled, and sometimes the timing on that, if you start you start to, you know, to to move toward the ball and it's not there yet. But it does go on his resume. He's now missed eight extra points since the middle of last year when the Vikings Signed him to the, replace Blair Walsh. The hold was actually the field goal attempt. The The extra point was the one now where everyone with the Vikings is saying that the center got steamrolled and it should have been a penalty. That's right. You're right. And yep. so Zimmer t- talked about that again today. And he's trying to talk about the officiating while basically maintaining objectivity to not get fined. Yeah, well, uh, you know, we almost lost our composure a couple times. Um you know, we, we study each crew, you know, going into the game. Um, you know, I told them that this it could be like this today. Um, you know, they got to play clean, smart football. And, uh, you know, uh, I shouldn't say anything else. <laughs> and today he's completely trying to say, like, oh, yeah, I mean, that wasn't. He basically said... That ordinarily uh, they they can send in ten plays to gripe about, but the league the league has told him to today you can send in as many as you want. Oh really? So the league knows how bad this was. God. So the league's now come out and said send all thirty plays in. Dude, that is well. Um. So okay. So, so I think some of the the kicking mishaps yesterday maybe weren't just people. People are going to blame Kai Forbath, and you might might give him a pass on that. And overall, since the the middle of last year. He has only missed four field goals out of his 43 tries. So he's 40 for 43 from field goal range. And that right there, I mean, that's you're not going to find a guy on a couch right now that you bring in for a tryout that's going to be better than what Kai Forbath has given you the last year and a half. So let's let's start there. Is he Adam Vinatieri in his prime, ready to line up in a foot of snow and knock it home from 45 yards? Reliably, probably not. No. But... Is Kai Forbath one of the 20 or 25 best kickers in the world? Yeah, there's just, there's not 32 amazingly reliable kickers in the world, and you just have to live with some inconsistency. Ever since the point after attempt has been moved back, we've seen kickers just struggle more and more and more. Has the kicking depth in the league really gone down this much, or has it always just been this bad and it's covered up by the fact that it was such a short point after attempt? Yes, on point two. And I also think it's amazing for whatever reason, I think when, when they moved the PAT back, mentally mind bleep guys. Yeah. And and I think what you're going to see now as more and more young guys come into the league, they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, because kickers are weird, they're like goalies. Yeah. They're they're very much set in. This is how I do it. This is my strategy. This is what. And I think when you alter that, it causes them problems. I mean, it's yes. He's so he's missed eight extra points and three field goals. Think about that. Uh, or I'm sorry, four field goals. Okay. He's missed four field goals. He's missed eight extra points and four field goals, and he's taken 
about the same number, if not exactly the same number of both, mm-hmm. going back to the middle of last year. And a lot of the field goals he's making are from deeper range. So it, it, it has to be mental with these guys that instead of just getting out there and swinging your leg from point-blank range just to get the blood flowing and you can miss hit it and it still goes through, you have to actually get out there and put a decent kick on it and, and line it up or it's, or it's not going to be good. But I think a lot of our kicker angst, it goes back to the scars we bear as Vikings fans and followers 20 years. We didn't sure. we didn't think about kickers until 1998, until the second half of the NFC Championship game of 1998. Worrying about kicking was not a thought in our minds. Gary Anderson made everything, literally everything, in in the 1999 or 1998 regular season. And from from the point where he missed that 38 yard or wide left, mm-hmm. all the way forward, mm-hmm. it's been sort of a kicker. A revolving door of kickers coming in, rookies, veterans, go get Longwell over here, back to Walsh over there. Ryan was good, too. Aaron Elling, some of those guys. Remember that guy from the early 90s? In in training camp, Tice used to walk in front of that poor kid. Tice was convinced, I'm going to really put the pressure. Because coaches like Tice and Zimmer hate kickers, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're the bane of their existence. So in during training camp practices in Mankato, Tice used to call for, for... field goal attempts to practice them and then he would walk in front of the poor kicker <laughs> mm. like I'm gonna I'm gonna really make him unnerved now. God. And of course it just mind bleeped him more. Yeah. It didn't help they at should all. They do a PJ Fleck this pour pour a cup of water down their down their back yeah. as they're or the, they do that to the whole Can too. I can I submit this to you guys as the playoffs approach? My feeling about the Vikings kicking is very similar to to my playoff feeling each spring about Dubnik and goal. Like I think, I think he might be fine. I think Forbath might be fine, mm-hmm. but I'm also prepared for something to go mentally sort of off enough where you're like, that weird angle goal just went in, or that yeah. kick just got missed. I feel like there's a parallel uh, given what the positions call for and how it's it's mental to a certain degree, where kicking and goaltending are somewhat similar. Like you've got yeah. this whole thing of I'm really I think it's going to be okay. But I'm not 100 percent certain it's gonna yeah, be okay. I think there's also a golf component there too, where because you're because sometimes you have a natural fade or a natural a natural draw on your kick, and if something gets off a little bit mechanically, then you can start turning that draw into a hook, right, or that fade sure. into a slice, and you battle that mentally as a kicker. I'm sure every time you go out there, and then as fans, we sit here like I'm like like the 1998 example, and, and then Blair Walsh from a few years ago. If a kicker looks even just a little off, because we're so used to the kicker being a huge problem, we probably overcompensate and, and overreact a little bit to, oh my God, Kai Forbath, you got to start working out kickers. Well, one was a hold, one was a block that, that maybe you know should have been called a penalty. He's still one of the better kickers in the world. With quarterbacks and kickers, there's only about 20 to maybe 23, probably not 25, competent, trustworthy Guys that you'd roll with and say, "All right, I'm fine with this. I got my Philip Rivers, I got my, uh, you know, whoever it may be, my Russell Wilson, and I'm ready to roll." Mm-hmm. But there ain't 32 in the world, and so the Vikings have mostly been be on flaky. the outside of that uh, collection looking in. I also think, though, that we we are g- are going to get more and more now go down a path or start to where you're going to see more teams attempt to. I, there's not a really compelling case not to do it more. I mean, besides the fact that that we're still 
dealing with a lot of old school coaches mm-hmm. or guys who are like, well, no, you you kick the field goal, you do yeah. the PAT. If, if you think about it, if you start to go down the road of, okay, first of all, I get two points. Second of all, I'm at, what, the two-yard line as opposed to a 30-plus-yard attempt? I think there's something to be said for the thought process of coaching changing as well, mm-hmm. where you get more – and I'm not saying that you do it every single time. But I do think that, especially early in games, there's probably a case to be made that it makes some sense to start going for two. It does. In fact, I'm trying to find these percentages. I think up until this year – it did make a lot of sense to go for two on a more regular basis, but and here it is, uh, two point attempts. Let's find this. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have math on this. Maybe maybe uh, we'll we'll find it. But the the two point conversion success rate has gone way down. Really, I guess this season. Yeah. Hmm. Um, it, it's gone down from like well, here it is. It's what's what's point seven divided by one point eight. That's the average per game. Because if it were that if it, if it were the old fifty percent uh, make rate on two point conversions versus like a ninety or in the Vikings case eighty to ninety percent extra point make rate, then you mathematically should be going for two right. on a much more regular basis. Uh, the math on that for this year is a thirty eight percent make rate on two point conversions. That's it. Really, it's been historically around fifty percent. So now is that just our team's a going blip for on the more, radar? More or less, or about the same? I couldn't tell you that. I'd I'm be curious sure. to see if that's changed. Uh, there's some teams haven't gone for two at all this season. The Titans haven't gone for two. The Redskins, the Rams haven't gone for two yet this season. The Bengals haven't gone for two. Uh, the Vikings have only gone for two once all year. See, I'd like to see them go for two once in a while. No, the Steelers tend to do it a lot more than most yes. teams. Tomlin yeah. adapted that, which I liked a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the teams this year who have... Actually, you know what? The Steelers haven't done it much at all this year. Really? Uh, you're right in previous years. So the Steelers have done it twice all year. Really? That has to be wrong. The Eagles have done it seven times. So who Doug knows? Peterson. Well, how, like how many that. of those were last week when they had to? Because the right. kicker had a concussion. Three times, maybe? <laughs> right. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I guess to wrap up the Kai Forbath conversation, yesterday was kind of a weird day where you had a bad hold, and I, I wouldn't put a lot of that on, on Kai Forbath. Do I feel super confident as a guy who's followed the Vikings my whole life and knowing that Kai Forbath has been on his couch a couple times in his career looking for jobs, that he's going to line up with 100% certainty and knock one home in the second round of the playoffs? I'm going to be a little nervous watching like the rest of you, but I'm not going to go replacing him this week. No, but going into the playoffs, if I was to ask each of you guys, give me your top three concerns, Kai Forbath would be probably top two, I bet. If yeah. I if going into the first playoff game, if you had to list three concerns, defense not one for sure, no. right? Keenum might be two, I guess. I think Forbath's one. I think kicking is one. And that's, if something's going to go wrong. And that's not as much of an indictment on him. It's more of a praise to the rest of the team. Yes. That, yeah, you trust the defense. Some people have, have chimed in today via Twitter that they don't know if they trust Case Keenum and the offense to play from behind, like down 14 to nothing in the third quarter or something. We haven't seen a ton of that because they've, no, they've been down. Like they'll be down in the first half and they'll score a couple, a mm-hmm. touchdown, you know, get to 10 points or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they haven't, they haven't done the whole down in the fourth quarter a lot thing Got a rally this back. season. Yeah. True. I'm getting more concerned about when we get down to the end of the game in a playoff game. Not having a cert, not having three timeouts because Mike Zimmer makes a dumb challenge. Uh, I said that calls la- a dumb timeout. I, I said that last week. Yeah. Don't underestimate his his ability to lose his cool is is mildly a big deal sometimes mm-hmm. now. That'll kill you in the playoffs. And we we all kind of made fun of the 
game management classes Rick Spielman put him through. I think he needs to retake them. I actually mocked those, and yeah. I was 100% wrong. I was yeah. dead wrong. Spielman was right. Yeah. But in 2009, do not dismiss Brad Childress melting down. 12 men in in mm-hmm. that huddle was caused by the fact that Childress lost mm-hmm. control of that sideline. It can't happen. Did you see the Vikings had a 12 men on the field penalty where they actually, and, and usually that's when you, a guy's running off the field, right? No, you, they actually had 12 guys no. playing defense on that play. No, no, no. It was better than that. And the, and the 12th guy double teamed, New- <laughs> double teamed the receiver no. that caught the touchdown. Newman was the 12th guy, and he got caught, and he was humping it to get and off. He peeled off to cover he the route. He couldn't get out. He couldn't get off the field, so he said bleep it, and he went and double covered the guy, and he still caught the ball. Just hoping that it wouldn't get caught on film, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, he that was That was ho- the spectacular touchdown catch near the right corner as yes. you're watching on TV. With yeah, with Rhodes and Newman in coverage, because yeah. Newman never yes. got off the field. He peeled, He basically tried to get off the field. He couldn't, so he just joined the play. It was great. I'd love to know what's going on in his head. I gotta get off, gotta get off. Oh, screw it. <laughs> and at least knock the damn ball away, right? Knock the damn oh. ball away and take a five-yard penalty. Oh, I got to get off. I got to get off. Oh, there goes that guy. I should probably cover him with ropes. I've never Son seen that before where you're like, oh, you know what? I can't get off. <laughs> yeah. uh, your final thoughts on uh, on Vikings. We'll take your phone calls if you guys want to chime in. The vent lines are back open for our final segment. 651-646-8255. 877-615-1500. Is Case Keenum for real? After what you've seen the last few weeks, can the Vikings win the Super Bowl? Your last chance to chime in. It's Mackie and Judd live on this Black Friday. Uh, Gophers, by the way, they're playing in a like a high school gym, basically. Uh, they beat UMass. I don't know what the final score was because the video just ended on Facebook Live, but <laughs> take our word. They beat UMass. They play Alabama tomorrow at the Barkley Center. Uh, Black Friday means Luther Brookdale Toyota on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard is giving you great deals on all Toyota models today. So stop in. If you're looking to make a big splash for a loved one this holiday, you can get an extra $750 in bonus cash and 0% financing on 60, uh, on I should say, on several different models for 60 months on that deal uh, with brand new Toyotas, 2018 model Camrys and RAV4s. There's also great service specials going on at Luther Brookdale Toyota today for Black Friday. Buy any three tires, you get the fourth one. For just a dollar. So take a break from mall madness or shopping online, whatever it is you're doing. Uh, Go to the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard and celebrate Black Friday at the best service department and dealership in the Twin Cities. A little fresh coffee, cookies waiting for you. Luther Brookdale Toyota. My family and I have been going for 30 plus years. And LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Mackie and Judd. And this final portion of Mackie and Judd brought to you by Mauer Chev. Stop the clock. Pressure on Keenum, and a touchdown for Rudolph. What a throw by Keenum under heavy pressure. And Kyle Rudolph has got his second of the game. All right, Mackie and Judd, it's been fun hanging out with you guys on this Black Friday. If you missed any of the show today, or any show really ever, you can find our podcast on iTunes or anywhere you would generally download podcasts and also 1500ESPN.com and the new mobile app. For uh, for Apple users, Droid will be out sometime maybe in December. But let's wrap with some day-after Ventline phone calls here, Judd. How how real do you think the Vikings are here in terms of Super Bowl contention? What are your thoughts on Case Keenum, who just keeps getting better, it seems, week after week? 651-646-8255. Let's go to Bob in Pennsylvania. What's up, Bob? Hey, how you doing, Mackie? Hey, by the way, you played that 
call by Buck at least five or six times. That was a great call. You know, he took the big hit before he threw the touchdown pass. He dropped it into Rudolph. Oh, my God. I could play that thing all day. That was a big-time throw. Oh, big time. And yep. let me ask you guys, do you think when when your quarterback makes a big throw like that and he takes a big hit, mm-hmm. do you think that elevates the whole, the whole way the, t- the whole team plays, the offense, the defense, they could see the quarterback takes the big hit. He knew he was going to take it, but he still made a perfect throw, you know, it's a touchdown. They go up by, I think they went up by 17, 10 or 17. It, you know, they're pulling away from a tough Detroit team on Thanksgiving Day. And, by the way, that, that pass rush yesterday was ferocious. Mm-hmm. Compared to the Rams last week, I mean, they were really on him. He got sacked once, you know, or twice, I don't even know. I, I love the fact that he threw the ball at the guy who just sacked him. little penalty, but you know what? That's called the eye of the tiger, baby. Yeah, Bob. I knew he was going there. How'd you know that? <laughs> we got a we got a top five offense, a top five defense. You know, his quarterback rating went from ninety two point six in a regular season to ninety six point two. He got over a seventy percent completion percentage last three games against three tough teams. I mean this. The whole team, I see the whole team's play elevating. And what do you think? Hey, Bob, Bob. Yeah. I think the most important thing is that throw instills confidence in the most important person who's watching that game, Mike Zimmer. I think the players like it, but I think for Zim to have been saying for weeks now, you know, Case is my guy, and, and he said it again today that Case will start the next game and makes no promises beyond that. But I think most importantly, when Keenum takes that hit and drops that ball in, it instills confidence in the head coach. And that, at this point, is extremely important. Yes, baby. Listen to you, Bob. Like Christmas morning for you, Bob. A touchdown celebration. In the end zone, where Rocky Balboa knocks out Apollo Creed. I want to see that. <laughs> the excitement in Bob's voice That's is it. outstanding right Thanks, now. Thanks, Bob. Bob in Pennsylvania. Bob calls into Ventline. He's one of our like 20 regulars who, you know, you get, you get to know him on, on the phone lines. And uh, Bob started using the Eye of the Tiger phrase to describe Case okay. Keenum like a month or month and a half ago. And so Bob called in last week after the Rams game. And we had Eye of the Tiger ready for him, but he had it blaring in the background of his phone call for us. So. <laughs> Pretty so, good. So it was playing already. That's awesome. Uh, Will in St. Paul, you're on with Maggie and Judd live on Black Friday. Hey, guys. In regards to your question as to whether you know we can go to the Super Bowl with Keenum, I, I kind of look to the 2001 Ravens. You know, they had Trent Dilfer's quarterback. You know, not a, not a great QB, but their defense was just so good that, you know, the offense didn't need to do more than, you know, score one touchdown, maybe get a field goal to add on, and, and it was over. And I think – this offense the Vikings have is better than the 0-1's Ravens offense. Mm-hmm. So I think if you know if our defense can keep playing like this, we can just use that 0-1 Ravens blueprint and go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, the, uh, the, the offense is better than that Ravens offense, but that was a measurably better defense even than this defense. one. Yes, But the old quarterback-to-defense ratio might still work out for you if your defense is top three in the league and your offense can, can move the ball. That, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, didn't we talk about this a few days ago? Didn't Tony Banks actually start at one point yes. for that that uh, this, this Ravens season. team? Yeah. Whew. That was the only year. Trent, so, yes, this offense is better. Trent Dilfer won the Super Bowl with that Ravens team, and they said, you know what? I know you're a free agent. Uh, we're good. 
I mean, the, he went to Seattle the next year. This defense did give up uh, thirty points a couple weeks back and still won. So, so this offense can function. I just don't think that, that we should ever lose sight of the, the conversation that when you get to the playoffs, the defense is your most important thing. Yeah. Let's take uh, one more here to wrap on this Black Friday special edition of Mackie and Joe. What's up, Chuck in Golden Valley? Yeah, hi guys. How are you doing? Great. Uh, we're doing yeah, doing well. Great. So, quick question for you. I, I was looking at Pro Football Reference and I saw that Laquan Treadwell is on in for like twenty eight percent of the snap counts. Uh-huh. And I'm trying to figure out why he never shows up, though. What is you know? Yet Jarius Wright gets in there just for a couple of plays and makes a play. Yes. You know what? What do they have against you know Jarius Wright or even Michael Floyd that you know Laquan Treadwell? He just sort of. I don't know what he does out there. I think Treadwell ghosting. often is asked to block, but I will say this. It's not going to work. He gets no separation. When Jarius Wright gets in there, he catches passes because he can get he can get separation. It might not be great, but he gets separation. Laquan Treadwell basically brings you nothing. It's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, Spielman's done a lot of things right. He's done a lot of good things for this team, but Treadwell is there because he's a first-round pick. And as far as I don't ever foresee this being functional. Football's weird sometimes, and the Vikings are a great example. Christian Ponder was a top 15 pick, 12th overall pick. Mm-hmm. Can't play. Case Keenum was undrafted by 32 teams, and he's helping carry this team maybe to something special. Mm-hmm. Um, look at... Uh, the wide receivers, Laquan Treadwell, first-round pick. Cordero Patterson, first-round pick. Diggs a Neither of them can pick. run a route or do anything. Diggs, fifth, agent. Thielen yeah. is an undrafted free agent. Crapshoot. So, yeah, it's much more of a crapshoot than the than the draft experts would, would like lead to, to think. Yeah. yeah. So thanks for hanging out with us, Mackie and Judd, on this Black Friday. Jonathan Harrison was in for Dave Harrigan, did an awesome job. Great job, Jonathan. Swinging for the fences and write that down. Thanks, guys. Uh, we are live on 1500 ESPN all day and all afternoon, so... Uh, We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll see you guys next week.